0: This is mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leads Art Week.
1: Hello and welcome to Marketing Trends. Today's episode features an interview with Rebecca Corliss. Rebecca is the Vice President of Marketing at Owl Labs. On this episode, Rebecca talks about the difference between marketing hardware and software products, putting together a great marketing team, and much more. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click the link in the show notes.
2: Welcome to Marketing Trend. This is your co host, Lauren Vaccarello. We have an amazing guest today. We have Rebecca Corliss from Owl Labs. Rebecca, how's it going?
3: Oh, it is great. Thanks, Lauren. How are you doing?
2: I am fantastic. You know, the rain finally broke in San Francisco. It actually feels like springtime. So I. I am thrilled to be here and now I'm just you know waiting for rent prices to go up because the weather's perfect again.
3: That's great it's finally has there's a blue sky and it's steady here in Boston so we're having a similar lovely weather phenomenon right now. (sighs) It's so nice to be out of the rain and the snow. (laughs) I agree (laughs) and
2: I would love to to jump in you've got such a fun marketing background but really importantly how'd you get started how'd you get into marketing?
3: Oh, that is such a good question. So I'm first going to tell a cute little funny story. Uh, so fun fact, I actually started school studying music. I, I don't know what I what that was going to mean. I thought I was going to be a famous singer. I, I have no idea. Um, but when I had a reality check that uh, my prospects of being a famous musician were slim to none, I thought, well... <laughs> I'll just go figure out how to make musicians famous then. That was my mental transition. Um, And that actually started through studying PR. That's uh, my original background, my academic background. And I uh, I, I dabbled in the PR agency world, but then very quickly learned that startup marketing is absolutely for me. Um, Had the opportunity to join HubSpot really early on. It was just, just shy of 50 people back in the day and an awesome teeny tiny little marketing team. And so it was through that, that organic natural opportunity that I was able to really learn marketing in a startup context, which for anyone else who's joined a startup, know that's the best environment to learn by far. Oh, absolutely.
2: And you got to see HubSpot on such a great ride. You were there for a really long time, did a lot of different positions and roles. So what what was it like jumping in and making that transition from, you know, PR agency into, um,
3: into the, you know, fast paced world of, you know, 50 person startup. Oh, so refreshing. So refreshing. Um, I'm sure there are people from the PR agency world who listen to this, so I don't want to diss agencies too much, but I'll just say it's absolutely not a world for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, it's, it's, I, it is okay to ditch, them, <laughs> to ditch them a little bit because <laughs> it's not your world
3: anymore.
2: No, <laughs> it's, it's, love not, guys, it's just...
3: It's not my cup of tea. Um, and I think what makes startups so great for me is just the absolute flexibility that comes from really being being able to investigate and test and try new things. And the pace is insane. Um, basically, in startup world, you have to do things above your pay grade purely out of necessity. Uh, mm-hmm. And that just brings opportunities that you'd never imagine. Um, I was building a marketing certification program, having only done marketing for two years, obviously going to experts to make sure the content was stellar. And I thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm doing this at this point in my career. <laughs> so I, I feel really grateful. Um, I want to give a shout out to Mike Volby, my lifetime mentor at this point. I like to say I went to the Mike Fulpe School of Business and Marketing. Uh, I really Hi. did. And um, uh, it was his mentorship and really the opportunities that he gave me is what gave me an awesome start at HubSpot. It was stellar. That's
2: fantastic. And I adore Mike Bulpe and congratulations for
3: all of your success at Lola.
2: And there are a couple of things I would love to to dig into. One is to your point the importance of mentorship and having it. And then you also said something that was great of the when you're at a startup, you have to do things that are above your pay grade. You're working, you know, you're two years into marketing and now you're building this marketing certification. I can think of times in my own career where years ago I was doing the Google AdWords and Salesforce implementation before it was a thing because I was 3% more technical than other marketers and had this (laughs) mentality of whatever, sure, how hard can this be? And kind of jumped in and did it without knowing that I shouldn't be able to do this and I shouldn't do this. How much of that played a role, that idea of you don't necessarily have the hesitation because you don't know enough to
3: know you shouldn't? Oh, that's interesting. I would say my perspective has always been what has been consistent throughout. If I continue to think of myself as a problem solver, and this is actually my same philosophy with hiring if I'm a problem solver and I've solved problems I had no idea how to solve before in the past, well, then why can't I do that in the future? <laughs> and that's kind of been the driving force. And I would say, as long as you still have that, that thoughtful line of thinking, that curiosity, your resourcefulness and the confidence to say, you know what, my brain's great. Why not go for it? The answer will reveal itself. Um, I think that's the great attitude that really supports folks in those moments of really, you know what, I've never done this before, but why the heck not? Uh, I think it's a great attitude to have. Absolutely. And you'd mentioned the, and then you can pull from this resource
2: with people to go, I can do this. Why the heck not? And you know, here's some other experts
3: that I can I can pull in in sort of any ne- necessity. Absolutely. There's a, there are some folks who unfortunately think in order to be the smartest possible person, you must have all the answers. But I think the smartest possible people are those who know they don't and know how to ask questions and know who to talk to and who they can talk to. There'd be plenty of times I'd be working on something and I'd be bugging the engineering team, bugging the designers, bugging the sales team whomever, to say, what do you think about this? How would you solve that? And I think putting yourself in enough of those contexts, that's how you're going to learn as fast as possible. That's how you're going to get exposed to all these different worlds that you might not have known anything about prior.
2: Absolutely. And it's the go in and give it a go. But also, don't be afraid to ask questions because no one knows all the answers for all the things at all the time. And having that curiosity and also confidence to go out and ask for help and dig into different areas.
3: Yeah, so true, so true.
2: So the importance of mentorship, you talked about being in the sort of Mike Fulpe School of Marketing. How how have you seen the importance of mentorship in your, your own career? Do you think it's still important as a marketing
3: executive? And then what do you do for the people around you? Oh, that's great. Um, mentorship is huge. I really value when I have the opportunity to be a mentor for others, and I have many mentors uh, that support me, and I'm honored to support me. Actually, it's amazing. So we we mentioned Lola. Jean Hopkins, who's CMO at Lola, has also been a long-term mentor of me. I look up to her immensely. Any manager that I've had through the year and has given me opportunities. Kit Bodner, who's CMO at HubSpot, still really close with. I think it's really great to put yourself in a situation to learn as much from them as well as see how much you can do for them. I think that's important too. For anyone who's looking for a mentor or hoping to strengthen their mentorship relationship, make sure you always give to them as well. Uh, I think that's really important. So you're supporting each other. And then in terms of today, oh my goodness, even more so, I mean, this is my this is my first opportunity building a marketing team from scratch on my own at a, at a new startup. And so... Uh, it's really important that I have my own go-to folks that I can learn from today in this new context. I think no matter where you are in your career, whether you're leading the whole ship or a part of it, I think it's really important that you have that support system. And then when you can give to others, I mean, I think that's how you give back. Uh, just the other day, I had a text message from someone who actually was my intern at HubSpot way back in the day. And today he he leads an agency, which is so cool. And he sent oh, an SOS awesome. text. Yeah, he's amazing. He sent an SOS text asking for some guidance. And um, we jumped on the phone and it was awesome. So you know what? You can always get back and you never know where it's going to leave in the future.
2: Absolutely. And you talked about that this is the first time you've really gone in and had to hire a team from scratch. I, and I, I was talking to um, a friend who's a marketing a CMO at a, and has always been at big companies. And it's her first startup. And she's got tons of experience. She's been a CMO at massive public companies. She's at her first startup. And I get an email that's like, oh my gosh, they really have nothing. I've got two people. I've never done this before. I've never built from nothing. Uh, So she and I are catching up later this week because it's such a different skill set of building from nothing, building the team from scratch. What, what have you learned hiring a team from scratch, building a team from scratch, building
3: marketing from scratch? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so, first, should I give a little bit of context of what I do today? I'm sure lots of people know HubSpot, but they yes. might not know Owl Labs. Can I give some context?
2: Yes, that would be fantastic. I uh, have failed in my, my job as marketing trend, marketing trend host. Ian's going to be very disappointed. <laughs> Rebecca, please tell us about Owl Labs.
3: <laughs> no problem at all. Um, I'm very proud of my company. I'm really proud of, of where we've come. So, Owl Labs, we're, we're actually just celebrated our Series B uh, last week, which is very exciting. Congratulations. Uh, capital. Thank you. So we're very excited about that. And so, I think the best way to talk about Owl Labs is first to think back to the last time you joined a meeting from home or a meeting on the road, like a group team meeting. And the thing you should do is just imagine that view you had in that moment, um, what that view was. Likely you felt like you were there to observe a team meeting that was meeting together and you're an outsider looking in. That's the exact problem we want to solve, that issue of feeling like a secondhand citizen trying to join your meetings. Um, and so what we we are actually a, a hardware company that built a 360 degree smart camera called the Meeting Owl. And the meeting owl actually goes in the center of your conference room table. And where the magic happens is as different people on the at the table talk, it automatically focuses on the different people um, as they speak. So you can actually see them clearly. And what's magical about it is the perspective you get now as a remote participant is literally the same as if you were sitting at the table. And it completely changes the game. The... Uh, Number one compliment that just makes me feel elated is when a remote person says, we finally got a meeting out. I just joined my first meeting and I actually felt like I was in the room with the team. So that, that comment drives me to the moon. <laughs> Nothing is better when um, I hear that. And you know what? As
2: more and more of us are remote workers and you no longer have to be in the office and how many people work from home and you have companies that are full remote. The idea of actually feeling like you're present versus the "Hey, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> can someone pay attention
3: to me?" Um, oh, is so true, so so different. Yes, and we're we're seeing. I mean, the expectations of the workforce are completely shifting. I'm actually uh, working from home today, right here. I'm in my home office, um, and there's this expectation for flexibility. It's it's not just a perk; it's an expectation that employees have and employers need to offer. And so it's wonderful that there is this work shift happening, but stage two is making sure you have the technology, the support, the infrastructure, whatever, in order to make sure your workforce is still supported in this changing environment. And so that's the that's the part that we want to play. So from a marketing standpoint, oh my goodness, it is a gold mine. It is so much fun. Um, my bread and butter is obviously inbound marketing, thought leadership, supporting the market, et cetera. And so... We do a ton of content on remote work. Um, we, do, we did a global um, remote work study um, called the State of Remote Work, which was really, really fun to do. We actually just did a new study on um, uh, looking at equal pay between genders and remote workers and office workers, which was really fun. Uh, and so we just want to do as much as we can to educate that ecosystem, while obviously also supporting those companies who want technology to make sure their remote workers are supported too.
2: I definitely want to dig into the difference between hardware and software marketing and what it's like there. I want to wrap up the the team hiring because there's so yeah. much good stuff there.
3: so what I learned um so I started as the first first marketer, uh, which is exactly what I wanted to do that was my that was my own goal for my career and um the first stage was really figuring out how to think big picture <laughs> and and build the strategy, and then a minute later execute it and do it. So I was imagining our go-to-market strategy and then building a website, imagining what our what our sales process would be, and then going on social media. I mean, you name it. It was like up and down and up and down. And so my the first lesson that was part instinctual and part following the, the experience I saw at HubSpot, um, my first move was hiring a few generalists that were flexible so we could adapt to whatever the strategy we invented that day might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and could help us have have a really fluid team in the moment. So some really heavy hitters that have dabbled in content, dabbled in different um, uh, marketing channels, dabbled in these different areas. I think generalists are wonderful for hires for marketing teams, because that allows you to be flexible and and test and try many, many different things. So that was the beginning of the team. And then from there double down on where we were seeing the most success. Um, And so we hired someone to own all of our paid advertising, hired someone to own all of our content, and hired someone to own brand and social media. And so that's that's where we are at this point. So we're a team of five. And it's been really great to start as generalists and then as we seek success, double down. And then from here, our next wave is going to be bringing in another level of expertise. We'll be hiring designers. We'll be hiring um, maybe video people. We'll be hiring people to focus on sales conversion and lead generation, things like that. Uh, so it's been really fun. But I would say my number one tip is start with a generalist because that level of flexibility is really important.
2: Awesome. And then what um, when you are interviewing general- generalists, and interviewing people for your team what do you what do you look for
3: oh great question i like to start with what i call the intangibles if you will they're the things you can't teach and you either have it or you don't so things like grit <laughs> Things like perseverance, hustle, problem solving, curiosity, things like that. When put in, because everything is ambiguous in the first few years of the startup world, in those first few moments, are you someone that just rises the occasion to solve a problem? And do you have enough experience in which you've done this in the past in in general, in different generalized areas? So that's my number one um, by far. Because you can't anticipate what exactly you'll be doing. It's more, are you excited and invigorated by those opportunities to rise to the occasion? And have you done it before and in what context?
2: Absolutely. I just love, 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 and totally agree with your description of hiring for those things. And at a startup, you have to have that adaptability role with it because what your job is today might not be what your job is tomorrow or even this afternoon. And you have to be adaptable to that and I would love to dig into this idea of grit like what do you think of when you think of someone that's got grit how do you suss it out what can you do to make sure that the people you're coming in have that sort of grit that perseverance
3: yeah so a question I love to ask is tell me about a time you were pushed past your limits I love asking Mm -hmm. that question and I'm, there are a few things, so I'll just I'll just let anyone who uh, hears this and then comes in interviews. I don't mind. I'll I'll see it as good research.
2: <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> but how how I think about that is one. I mean, first and above all, I want to know what their limit is. They tell me their mm-hmm. limit was a crazy day and they stayed till six p.m. Oh, poor you! Like that person Aww. is not going to be a fit. I know. I was like, but is that if, an easy day at the office? <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) But But if someone tells me like, I have no idea, some amazing story where this opportunity came up and they had to do X, Y and Z and you're like, yeah, that would be, that's the real deal. So you understand even what their limits are. And uh, I think that's another thing. It's just natural to the individual. Some people have huge limits. Some people have really small limits. And it it really depends on who you are. And that's important in knowing personally if you're going to be a fit for a startup. Because if you're uncomfortable in those really difficult moments, you're not going to like startup life. So I Mm -hmm. find out what their limit is. Through that example, and then I, I find out well what did they do? How did they handle it? What was their approach? Were they an active participant or a passive participant? You know, does mm-hmm. life happen happen to them? Does life happen to them, or do they take on life? You find out that, and that gives me a sense of okay, their grit. Like this is their that's what grit means to me. How how an individual uh, handles those difficult moments because they're absolutely going to come. Do you want to know my My grit question. I do. Please tell me. Uh,
2: So now anyone who who listens to this, you know, to the same point that you made has to interview with me. They're going to now know one of my curveball questions. (laughs) Like I love, I love asking and I love asking questions during an interview that kind of seem like a softball question, but are actually the questions that I use to really suss things out. So my, my great question is, um, tell me your worst travel story. Oh, interesting. And oh. I mean, personally, I love to travel. So I always, you know, bare minimum, enjoy the story. I also find that whether your travel story is, I went, you know, 20 minutes outside of my hometown or I was in this remote village in Uganda. It's all valid. But travel shows a sense of curiosity for me. I want to know what you define as worst. The, this is your worst travel story. What is the worst thing that has happened to you? Define your worst. Tell me how you handled it. Like, were you just crushed and devastated and, you know, crying on the side of a dirt road? Did you see this as an opportunity to do something else? How did you handle your worst experience How did you get to the other side? What did you learn from it? And at absolute minimum, I get an interesting story. It's a maximum. I get a, this is how I define bad. This is how I approach bad situations. To your point, was I a passive participant? And did I crumble or did I come in, see the solution, figure out how to make this work? And at the end of the day, like, what's your attitude on the situation? We can't always control the things that happen to us. We can control our perception around it. We control how we handle it. We can control our own experience and narrative around it. And that's what I I want to know. And it comes across as a total softball question. But it is my way to really sort of get under the hood on how somebody thinks. Also... Anyone who now interviews with me really knows what that question is about.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. That is an excellent question. I love that. And and it's interesting. So I'm, I bet the folks listening now, I found myself attempting to answer that as you, as you were explaining it. (laughs) And I, and I, and I was like, how would I answer that? And I think, you know what, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I I think I'm the, the style in which I also hire for. And my, like some of my most terrible <laughs> travel experiences are actually some of my most favorite memories now. <laughs> and so I guess that really speaks to how that question would work. That's really cool. Oh, and it
2: completely, and it's the, oh, I have so many bad travel stories because I travel all the time. And the funny, like I, oh my gosh, I was getting out of a river in Sri Lanka and was covered in leeches. <laughs> and I got out of the river. <laughs> And I remember seeing a leech screaming and like ripping my dress off and having my friend pull leeches off my body. <laughs> this is, and during her her wedding, I ended up giving the, the speech at her wedding <laughs> talking about her taking leeches off me in Sri Lanka. I was <laughs> like, this was a huge bonding moment <laughs> for the two of us. Like, these things happen. And you know what? It wasn't that bad. It was okay. And it was
3: raining. So,
2: you know, sometimes you get leeches on you.
3: <laughs> there you have it. Oh, that's great. Mm. Oh, that what, what a great example. I love it. Huh. So switching gears from team hiring, and I just, is such good
2: insight. And just the types of questions you ask during interviews, you really get to dig in on people. So digging in on hardware marketing, you're like me, hardcore subscription staff background. Mm-hmm. But now you're in the hardware space. How are you marketing hardware at Owl Labs? Is it different? Is it the same? What am, What are you learning?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So first, uh, delightfully naive. I remember talking to some of my mentors. <laughs> They're like, are you sure? Hardware is hard. <laughs> and um, I mean, I was so in love with the product. I, I just thought, no, I'm going to do this. This is going to be great. And no matter what, it's going to be a really good experience. So some of the things are the same, delightfully the same, and some of the things are quite different. Obviously, what's quite different is the business model. I mean, we don't have recurring subscription revenue. We, that does not exist in our business. So how we think about growth um, from a revenue standpoint has to be different. And for us, it's it's customer growth. It's wonderful. If a customer needs only one owl, great, no problem. But obviously, our dream is that an organization makes the choice one day to to buy multiples for their conference room. So how that's driven our team is we actually have a wonderful customer success team that's really focused on supporting our customers, building those relationships. So that's an example that I would say is very specific to our model. From a new customer acquisition standpoint, this one is delightful. I am hoping I'm not giving too much away, but it is much easier for someone to try and purchase one product then I would say it is to get someone to buy a subscription software. It is so much easier. (laughs) It feels almost like lead gen for those who come from the lead gen world. And so our first purchase is sort of like, I don't know, a lead, so to speak. And so that's the philosophy we've had. So really focusing on, well, how do we educate our potential customers, drive value, so we drive more traffic to our website and they make the decision to maybe try a meeting owl one time. Um, We do have a Mm 30-day return policy, which works well in our favor. And so that's been really interesting. And so that feels very similar to Legion to me, even though it's a different product that they're buying. So that's that's a different. um, Metrics are slightly different. You don't have churn like you do in SaaS. Uh, We have returns (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to measure our return rates. So that's a cool metric that's different. I would say the biggest difference, the, the biggest, biggest difference, is the pace in being able to change some of your processes because you're dealing with a physical product. Mm-hmm. I'm used to a world in which, I don't know, you have some issue and you could just, you know, like your your front-end developer can just make a quick change and you're good to go. Like no no mm-hmm. way, no how in the hardware world. That's interesting. I'll tell a funny story that would never happen in the software world. So we launched our product in June 2017. Um, I will remember that month and year forever. It's like my new birthday. <laughs> we had great launch strategy. I was really excited. I mean, this is what this was the career opportunity I was really looking for, this opportunity to bring bring a, a brilliant product to market. And mm. um, <laughs> only issue was our manufacturing was delayed, which is so common as I understand in the hardware world. Yeah. So common. And so we had we had launched the product. We were getting hundreds, hundreds of purchases, which was really exciting. And no product to ship. And I <laughs> and I go to our CEO, I was like, well, what do we what do we do now?
2: Like, what happened? And he's like, honestly, I'm shocked that you sold so many so far.
3: <laughs> and I thought, maybe that's me just being naive, thinking that why wouldn't we be able to do this? <laughs> so that was very funny. And so anyway. Flash forward, we were very disappointed that we were going to miss the ship date that we promised. Very, very, very disappointed in ourselves. I mean, these are new customers that believed in us, trusted us. Um, obviously, what they think in us is going to drive everything in the future. So I'm like, okay, well, what can we do? And so what we ended up doing was recording an individual visual, video, not, no using no technology, no software, just literally him in front of a, in front of a camera. And we recorded a video for every single customer who we missed the ship deadline. And we sent them a big box of cupcakes. And we just said, sorry, this isn't your meeting owl, but at least we can send you something tasty in the meantime. And it actually, that's been our, our best cohort and our most supportive group, um, which is interesting. So anyway, that could never happen in the software world, I'll tell you. That's just a really cool memory that I really, really enjoy. I love that. And
2: I, it's also how you deal with, okay, look, this isn't ideal and we can, as a company, ignore it and tell our customers like, even not say anything and let them be proactive and only deal with the ones that send an email. They're like, hey, what happened? We can send them a generic note that is shipping got delayed. We can treat them like we care or don't care and you completely went above and beyond and It shows deeply that caring about the customers is not a platitude on the wall. It's core to who you are as a business and who you are as a marketer. For your, you know, CEO to make these individual videos and that alone would have been a really compelling gesture. And then going that one extra mile of and let us do something nice for you, especially if you were really looking forward to this or you had a big need for this today. Let us go that one extra step. That's how you build deep emotional efficacy with your customers.
3: That's how you build advocates for your company. Yeah. And we were so scared. It's so funny. I mean, I'm thankful for the success now, but I can tell you, we were terrified and mortified. We didn't know what this was going to mean. So we thought, well, we got to go for it. This is what feels right in our guts. This is how we would want to be treated. And so we went for it um, and really, really thankful that that was our instinct uh, because I think, I think it paid off and we're really thankful to those customers who, who stuck with us, uh, which was great because now, now we're in a wonderful place and we're really we're really thrilled where we are as a business and what we're able to do for our customers.
2: What's some advice that you have for, for senior marketers and for marketers that are going to their first uh, leadership role?
3: Oh, that's great. Um, I would say first thoughts. We talked about mentors in the beginning. I'll just come back to it. Have a mentor, someone who you can just be completely vulnerable with. I would say that's tricky. I mean, it's, it's tricky to be vulnerable as a leader with your team, with your, with your superiors, whomever, but find someone you can be completely vulnerable with meaning you can just share every fear, every every concern, and really talk through it because that's how you're going to get the guidance and really think through the the problem solving you need. So I would really encourage everyone to have that. doesn't matter where you're in the career, you should have that, especially when you're a new leader. I would say, here's a funny tip. So I'm clearly a, a pretty casual gal. <laughs> that's very much my style. And I would say some new leaders think they have to change who they are. Like, oh, this is my this is my leadership attitude. This is how I manage mm-hmm. now. And I would say uh, uh, authenticity is always going to be the strongest form of yourself. I, I don't know who mm-hmm. said that. I did not make that up, but I do believe it. And so I would say don't feel like you have to change who you are. Just be genuine and be who you are. and People are going to respect that. So that's another tip I have. Here's a fun thing. Um, this is very specific, and I like to do this for myself, and I've encouraged other folks on your team to do it. You're likely making decisions you've never made before, which is wonderful. And you likely have to go with your gut a lot, which is terrifying. So what I do is when I have to make a gut judgment decision, I'll make it and I'll write down why I made it and what my concerns are. And then I'll look back to it later to see if I was right or wrong or if I actually saw more than I thought or what it was. And I'll do that for myself and I'll use it as a tool to say, okay, all I can make was a gut decision. How was that small inkling of a concern I had right or wrong um, and reflect back Mm -hmm. on it. So I encourage you to do that. I love that as a tool. A mentor mentor gave me that idea. So that's another thought. And I would say if there's any point of insecurities, that's so normal. So normal. But I just like lean into the excitement. You've obviously earned this opportunity uh, for a reason. That's wonderful. Uh, You don't have to be given permission to do something you haven't done. You just have to believe in yourself and go for it. And that's that's all you need to take on a new challenge.
2: I think that is such fantastic advice. And it's the, there are gremlins in everyone's head, regardless of new leader, experienced leader, everyone has those moments of, whether it's imposter syndrome or whatever, but know that it's okay to have that and have that internal confidence of, it's okay to ask questions, having that mentor where you can have that moment of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? That hopefully they'll be there saying, you have this. Don't worry, Rebecca, you so have this, but I'm here to listen. And if you don't have this, here's the advice. And so you will have this soon. Um, it's so, so, so important. And I can honestly say there was a point earlier in my career where I thought I needed to have work Lauren and non-work Lauren because you think you have to be this certain person as a, an executive and a leader. And... It's completely wrong. People hire you for you. People want to follow you for who you are. And for all of you, not work persona you.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, very true. So true. And if you're in, I mean, we don't always have this luxury, but if we do, if you're in an environment that doesn't allow you to be yourself, likely the wrong environment. Um, so completely. we don't always have the luxury to act on that. So I don't want to be too utopian. But I would say, to yes. the best of your ability, I, I really encourage you because there are environments where you can be you can be yourself completely. Absolutely, it's be the, mo- the most authentic
2: version of you. Yes, yes, so true. Are you Are you ready for some lightning round questions?
3: Oh These are boy! Questions we and so ready.
2: Tell you about in advance. They are meant to be. Fast and easy, like product, product, fast and easy marketing automation. It's fantastic. Uh, I've used it before as a customer quite a bit. Uh, so lightning round question. Ready to go. What app are you using right now that you are totally addicted to? Oh
3: my goodness. Um, is it cliche to say Instagram? I have a love-hate no. relationship with Instagram. <laughs> I actually deleted it from my phone for two weeks to see if I could live without it. And then I just added it back. it's my connection to the world so I guess I think a lot of people would pick that but I'm just going to go with Instagram I love Instagram I have done the exact same thing (laughs) Um, (laughs) what is the your favorite book that you've read recently oh the favorite my favorite book that I've read recently I'm going to say something totally controversial I read very few books not the answer I bet you're expecting. I love watching videos. I love watching TED Talks. I love meeting people and interviewing people. I'm not a solitary person. Um, so it's actually been a while since I read a book. <laughs> I will just be totally forthright. Okay. I like reading re- yeah, reports and um, different content online and things that are people sharing, the news, things like that. But it has been maybe a few months since I have read a book in full. I will be real with you. You know what? I have
2: a better question
3: then. What right. is your favorite TED Talk you read recently?
2: What should I what should I be looking out for?
3: Oh my goodness, it's a great one. Oh, I'm forgetting her name. Um it's the author of Eat Pray Love. Uh, it's an old one. It's like a oh, awesome, Melissa Gilbert. Yes. Oh my goodness, I love her. I, I did read that book a I mean a long time ago at this point. And what I like about the TED Talk is she talks about how her first book was just an outrageous success. And it's like, where do you go from there? And it was just such an interesting perspective um, that she shared because you think, oh, someone was so successful. Why would they feel sad or why would they feel um, insecure? But it was the insecurity that comes from following a significant success. I thought it was so interesting. Um so that's actually one of my favorite ones. I, it's a, it's been around for a long time now, but it was very cool.
2: Awesome. um what is your favorite one day
3: getaway from Boston? Oh, I'm I'm going to pick two because it depends on what mood I'm in. Um I love Newport, um if I feel like being hoity toity and eating a lobster in a fancy place. <laughs> I well, love it. Doesn't feel like eating lobster. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I love Newport. Um, and the other one, if I want to be more relaxed, I love Anguakut, um, in Maine, going north. Uh, Anguakut is such a delightful little town. Everyone should go. It's beautiful beach town. So I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick those two.
2: What uh, what marketing campaign or advertisement have you seen recently that you are jealous and wish you worked on?
3: Oh, that darn music video from Expensify oh my goodness if you guys didn't see it it was out of this world it was a Super Bowl commercial it was a music video I don't know anything about hip-hop but 2 chains was in it and as I understand that's a very big deal um and uh it was just so creative i was so curious about what their budget is i'm sure it's millions and millions and millions of dollars (laughs) but anyone who knows me i actually fun fact used to produce music videos for hubspot at a very earlier point in my life and so to see like the epitome of what that type of work could look like i just thought was out of this world so that was very creative
2: awesome um last Last question for you. What
3: are you most excited about in the future of marketing? Oh, what am I most excited about? For me, I think it's a really interesting convergence between B2C and B2B. I think it's becoming relevant and one of the same. It's just marketing. That might not be too, too new, um, but I believe it 100%. So I think that's really, really fun. I'm excited for our data to get more sophisticated and just get better insights in terms of what's working, what's not. I feel like the tools are just getting better and better. So that makes me really, really happy. And what I'm really curious about is just more more forms of video in all forms, short video, long video, email video, you name it. Um, People are really craving video as uh, their main way of of learning. um, And so hopefully doing even more of that. Awesome. Uh,
2: That is fantastic. Are there, oh, second really for real this time, last question. Is there yep. anything you wish I would have asked you
3: but didn't? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, we talked about the weather in the beginning. I mean, uh, the only thing I'd brag about is that it's sunny for the first time in a while. <laughs> but No, I think I think we covered it. Um, I think we covered it. This has been a great conversation. We talked about a lot of things I'm really passionate about, and I hope it's been helpful for others.
2: I I definitely think it was. Rebecca, it was such a pleasure to have you on Marketing Trends. If you come to the Bay Area, we have to have you in studio. If we come out to Boston, uh, we will have to spend more time with you out there. That'd be great. I welcome it. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. And we will see you on on the next
1: episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot. World-class marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in the show notes.